Welcome back to the PK Podcast, where that PK stands for Preacher's Kid, not Perfect Kid. And this episode is brought to you by the Clergy Couch Company. While it is unknown exactly where their stores are located, everyone knows they are the premier manufacturers of those divine divans found exclusively in lead pastor's offices. The nappability of this sanctified sofa during a church service gone long is much like its fabric as it pertains to the aesthetic of the rest of the office, unmatched. Hey, your pastor parent says they'd leave the 99 to go after even one sheep, so I think our ministry is making sure we're counting those sheep as we sleep. So, when the meetings run long, don't become a grouch, just lay your burdens down on the clergy couch. Today, Eli and I have a great episode for you with Caroline and Caleb Fry. Their dad pastors a dynamic church and serves in leadership with the ARC Church Planting Network. But enough about that guy, let's get to know them as we head on over into today's episode. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the PK podcast, where that PK stands for Preacher's Kid, not Perfect Kid. And speaking of not perfect, I'm here with my co-host, Eli Blevins from Wilmington, North Carolina, one of the most not perfect people that I know. Um, <laughs> bro, How right now I'm in Dallas in this like rainy whatever, which makes me think, all roads lead to Wilmington. That's where all the godly people are headed. What's life like in Wilmington, North Carolina? It's very stormy this morning, so don't worry. It's uh, it's not any better right now, but everything's great. John, we're happy to be here. We have an amazing episode today. Got two of my friends with us, Caleb and Caroline Fry. They are amazing. And uh, yeah, I just want to hear a little about their story. And hopefully you guys as listeners, you guys will be able to take a little bit from their experience. Maybe you can relate to them, um, but they are awesome. But we're just going to go through some introductions. I'm going to start with Caroline. If you want to kind of share a little bit who you are, what you do, all that fun stuff. Yeah. Um, so my name's Caroline and I currently work at my parents' church. It's um, called C3 outside of Raleigh, North Carolina, um, kind of like out in the country, even though it's exploding right now. So um, I was just two years old when they started the church. So I've always, you know, had the dream of like um, being in ministry. I felt called as a young girl. And now I get to uh, work on staff as the children's minister, which was um, like definitely my dream growing up. So that's just crazy that I'm already um, just, you know, living out what God called me to do when I was just in elementary school. So um, went through like my tour of ministry schools after graduating from high school um, did a ministry school at my parents' church, almost got kicked out. That's a fun story. Um, went to Highlands College, which was great. That's kind of where I just discovered my own salvation for myself, um, apart from my parents and, um, worked at another church. Now I'm back at my parents' church. So it's just awesome. God's hand's been on my life. And, um, you know, I have my brother here and we have an older sister, so we all grew up with the church, in the church, and, you know, it's fun stuff. Lots of good good times. That's amazing. That's amazing. Thank you for that. Caleb, what about you, man? Yeah, so I'm also at C3 Church in Clayton. Um, born and raised here. I never moved away, so I went to our church's college and um, graduated um, Two years ago we got married and came on staff at church initially i started out as a communications director um so i was helping oversee social media 
uh, graphics and some video stuff. Um, but now recently I switched over in the last year to overseeing our worship. And so um, that's what I've been doing the past year. And I've been doing worship. I mean, I've been on the worship team for about um, since the beginning of high school. So about like eight years now, or I guess nine years. Worship's kind of always been my thing at church. I've always served in the worship ministry. Um, so stepping into the worship director role this past year has been kind of just, um, it's been super fun. Um, just getting to implement things that I've been wanting to do for a while. Uh, we're working on some original songs and an upcoming album. So there's a lot of fun stuff going on right now. And um, yeah, it's awesome to be on staff at the church I grew up in. That's amazing, yeah, bro. You're super talented. I've heard you lead before. You're you got you got the holy the holy anointing on some of those songs. So great job. It must be a PK thing. I just think that every PK has got this special like musical anointing. Like Eli over here, the kid drummer that could playing with his fake drumsticks in the middle of worship. I'm it's curious. True. though. I mean, you 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 threw it out there, so surely it's fair game to ask. A PK almost gets kicked out of their own parents or their own church's school. That takes either a next level of rebellion or something. Like I've got to know that story. How how do you almost <laughs> get kicked out of your own thing? Oh man. Um, so I was like a secretive rebellious PK teenager. You know, you like you have the obvious ones that are like, I'm you know I'm. Going one of us. Doing, yeah <laughs> and then there's the one that's like no i'm gonna like hide everything and no one's gonna know but i'm gonna look like i have it all together and i'm you know the perfect kid um so i had just gotten out of um high school and out of like a unhealthy relationship and there's a rule that's not there anymore probably because of me um where you're not allowed to date your first year and that was not easy for me being how old, 17 or 18 and cute guys at the church and flirting with me and that sort of thing. So, um, so the role was no dating, ended up getting caught with a guy, keep it PG making out or whatever. And, you know, parents found out, I, I felt like look, sitting on the front row when my parents found out, when the leaders found out, like, everybody in the church was looking at me everybody was like oh my gosh you know like that feeling it's like probably five people know but it feels like the whole church is just like i can't believe this happened you know and it seems like the worst thing in the world and so it felt like this huge mountain that i was like trying to get over and my dad was like this is just a bump in the road um but i had to sit down with a college director and he was like listen, like I could easily kick you out for this, but you need to make the decision if you're going to stay and abide by these rules or if you want to leave. And I was like, well, I don't have anywhere else to go. And it would look really bad if I left. So I'm going to stick it out. I'm going to stay. So I stuck it out and then I got out of there and moved to Alabama. <laughs> so, so yeah, if you have um, weird rules like that at your church, just don't break them. Yeah, or keep a yeah. secret, right? Or keep a secret, yeah. <laughs> Don't get Better caught. Yet. <laughs> but your son will always find you out. So, I mean, what are you going to do? 
I'm picturing that I don't remember the name of it, but that military movie where the guy gets caught doing something and his commander's like, you need to decide if you're in or out. And he's like, I've got nowhere else to go. Like, <laughs> like I don't want to, but like, here's where we are. Right. That's amazing. Shout out, shout out to dad who said, Hey, even though every single person is staring at the back of your head right now, this is just a bump in the road. Like this is, the, yeah. This is just a thing. This is just a whatever. I grew up in a church context with church discipline, very Baptist, and we were hardcore on dating is for dummies, but courting is for Christians. Um, and if it's That'll alliterated, preach. if it's alliterated, you know it came straight from the Bible. If I would have been caught doing that, um, it would have been like a stand in front of the church on a Sunday night or Wednesday night confess the sin and be not allowed to lead music or sing in the choir or any of those things for a certain period of time so that all the choir members could look down from the platform and judge you. Mm -hmm. um, so the secret for me was not getting caught. Um, that was not, maybe that's an episode for another time, um, ways to not get caught. Um, that's the <laughs> one we'll have to, we'll have to not let the parents know we're putting that one out, <laughs> but keep that one a secret. And that one, that one may just go in the archives just for our fun. <laughs> that, exactly. that, one, that one's going to be on the TikTok channel. That way no parents will ever see it. Um, That's right. Eli, you were talking to me just the other day about spotlight stuff, um, yep. which every PK struggles with. What are your thoughts on that? Man, I, I for sure think that. As pastors' kids, we all know the spotlight is always brighter on us, or we think it is. Like Caroline, you just said you thought everyone was turning around. It was probably only like three or four people that actually like knew or cared or something in between. But it feels like everything is just so like so much bigger because of who you are, who your last name is, what you mean to the church. Like it just feels bigger. And I just want to know from you guys, how do you handle those like spotlight moments? I know for me, my um, gut reaction was always to just appear perfect. And if I could mm. appear perfect, then no one would ask any questions and everything would just kind of get swept under the rug and we'd go about things. And, you know, of course, later in life that comes back to bite you, but that's kind of how I dealt with it, especially in like middle school and high school. But I want to hear from you guys. How did you guys yeah. handle the spotlight? I'll go ahead and take that. Um, I think, you know, what I did do was I tried to be perfect and tried to, you know, act like my life was together. That's what we shouldn't do. I don't think that's what we should, what we should do is, um, I like to think of like pressure as you can either like make you or break you, kind of like a diamond, you know, if pressure can make a diamond, if you like use it correctly, or it can like break it if you don't use it correctly. Um, so I think of, you know, the spotlight kind of as a pressure. And um, I even think today, like in my life today, when I feel that spotlight, that pressure, because everybody feels that at points in their life, I feel like. Um, utilizing that to your advantage, utilizing the pressure and the spotlight to say, instead of trying to be perfect, um, instead of trying to come across uh, like I have it all together, I'm going to use the spotlight and this pressure to kind of take me to the next level to kind of like lift me up a little bit and take me to the next level um and so instead of trying to come across like the perfect pastor's kid i'm just going to be myself and try my best um 
to, since people are looking at me and it's, I have a spotlight on me and people are looking at me, maybe I can be an example to somebody who's younger than me. Uh, maybe I can be an example to another pastor's kid to say, hey, you don't have to just go off and act perfect. You can be yourself. But I think as pastor's kids, there's a, there can be a, a, a responsibility um, that we're leaving the church as a family. And so to use that pressure, I think, to your advantage and to use that spotlight, um, to almost use it like as an example um, that, you know, we aren't trying to be perfect, but there are some expectations, I think, um, that our parents have on them. And maybe those expectations can I trickle, uh, trickle down to us and take mm -hmm. us to the next level as individuals, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. I think you said it so well, and I think for so many people who are, are listening, be yourself and don't try to be something that you're not. Um, I know me and John have, have tried our, our best to be things that we are not, and it's always better when you're just yourself. Caroline, what about you? What do you think about that being in the spotlight and all that stuff? Yeah, so I always, um, I just kind of had this revelation like a year ago or something, but when I was in like third grade and kids ministry, we we're in our small groups. Someone, the teacher asked like a question about the Bible story, like something really simple, like probably what kind of, like who was swallowed up by the whale type question. And I'm like, they're also learning about this story probably for one of the first times and nobody knew the answer. So they're like, well, Caroline knows the answer. Her dad's the pastor. And I didn't realize mm -hmm. what kind of impact that comment had on me, like just throughout the rest of my like middle school and high school until I got to college. Like just because in that moment, I felt like, oh, my goodness, if I don't know every story in the Bible, if I don't have all the answers, like people are looking to me for the answers. People are looking to me to have it all together. And I'm just eight years old. And so I like lived with that, you know, in the back of my mind just, I have to be the leader of this group. I can't be the one answering vulnerable questions, um, saying like, um, that I don't have it all together, that I, that I am like struggling with this because I have to be the leader. I have to be the example. And like, I put that pressure on myself and I carried that. It wasn't anything that my parents put on me, but now I just came out of like a very traumatic season of my life. And that like, broke any kind of pride, any kind of judgment that I had in my heart towards other people. Mm. And now I've, the spotlight is like, I want to be as vulnerable as real. Like how low can I go? How humble can I be so that I can relate to other people and show them, listen, we all have temptations. We all make mistakes. Like you need someone to be able to go to and talk to. And that was my biggest thing is I didn't have anybody to go to or talk to just because I was scared because I lived with this fear of what are people going to think about me? What mm -hmm. um, are people going to judge me? You know? And so I want to be someone that people can come to. So like put me in the spotlight, but I'm going to be raw and I want you to be raw and let's talk about our issues and our struggles together. And let's, you know, go to the Bible and um, let's, walk through it like it's part of life we're gonna have struggles and go through stuff so the more real and vulnerable that i can be which is some that's super hard but super freeing when 
when I uh, was able to get to this place. You know, I don't think that um, from Sunday school teachers to small group leaders, people are going to suddenly just stop saying ridiculous comments like that. Yeah. As much as I wish we could outlaw it, I remember being right around that same age and I even remember the question that was asked. I was, I'm six years old sitting in a Sunday school class and I didn't understand there was a difference between John the Baptist and John the disciple. And I remember the teacher made such a big deal about that. Like, oh, I taught the pastor's kid something, you know, and like gloated on it for like five minutes out of shock. And I internalized that as a, okay, I guess I'm not allowed to get questions wrong, you know, or I'm going to embarrass my family. Um, I'm not sure people are going to ever stop saying stuff like that. But what I love are the amount of parents that are listening to these episodes to make sure that we're not giving their kids any uh, ridiculous ideas. I wonder what are some things that you wish your parents maybe could have known or asked or said around that age range um, maybe to have helped you process that. Like for me, I wish that my parents would have known that was happening so they could have said, hey, you know, sometimes in class you're going to be expected to know all the answers and it's okay if you don't. You know, things like that. Mm. What What are your thoughts on that? What would you say to a parent of a, a younger PK or maybe a teen who's already deep into the internalizing and hiding mode? Yeah, Um I would say for a parent, the biggest thing that like I needed um, was just someone to be there for me and talk to me because when we were growing up, like the church was growing with us. Like we were babies when the church started. So when it was like the fastest growing church in the area or whatever, um, like we're like growing up, like prime years or upper elementary, middle school, times when we really need our parents and I love like I have amazing parents and they did intentionally create family time for us but um, someone told me one time that wrecked my world um, they said you are more important than the church and that like took me back because I was like no the church is way more important than me like I we do everything for the church and we give all of our time to the church and the church is Christ's bride. But when I heard that me as a pastor's kid, I'm more important than the church. Like that just really let me know. Like I have some, I have some wounds just from a lot of my parents focus being on the church during this time. So I would say, give them a place to just talk, hang out, you know, a safe place to share what went on at church, if there were any conversations that hurt you, talk about the good things, but definitely talk about the things that embarrassed you, that were sad, that made you mad. Cause that was, we didn't really talk about the negative things. So I didn't feel comfortable saying like, I didn't know the answer in church. I don't know why I didn't feel comfortable with that, but I just didn't. I think one thing that really helped me is being in an environment that um, wasn't the church. You know, because I did so many things that were involved in church, youth group, uh, serving at the church. And, like, sometimes, like, your life can just be church. And even, like, sports teams in the area and stuff, like, some of those kids would go to our church. 
and that that was kind of like my safe place um because i could just be myself there i didn't have to be caleb the pastor's kid i honestly like barely told anybody i was a pastor's kid there like if i could um i wouldn't tell them because i just wanted to be myself and that was kind of a really cool place to kind of establish myself as a person and as an individual and not as caleb the pastor's kid and so i think as much as you can trying to find an environment where um you don't have to worry about people knowing you as the pastor's kid um but you can just be known as yourself and that can help you develop friendships like not based on like being a pastor's kid or being worrying about people being your friend because you're the pastor's kid or not being your friend because you're the pastor's kid but you can just having a safe place that you can go to outside of church i think is very important um so trying to find that whether it's going to like a conference once a year or finding a place you can go like i did weekly um i don't know i feel like that's very important being in, in an environment that's not like church-based yeah absolutely i think you hit the uh, nail on the head with that both of you guys did um i think even for for me i can't even remember because did any of you guys go to like a christian school growing up like one of those like private christian schools yeah. yes that that was me and I all remember, hands raised yeah <laughs> i just even remember being in, in sixth grade and someone um who i actually like know and really respect and love now who was my teacher then um but even then they would give out candy for each um for each bible question we got right and i was like well i'm just gonna sit here and you know try my best to just rack up all this all this candy. And I remember I got a question wrong one time and I could just feel, and I was, I was sitting at the front of the class, like I, like I should, because, you know, I was a, trying to be the goody two shoes in Bible class. Um, and I remember I got a question wrong. And I just remember, I was like, I felt like kind of like what Caroline alluded to earlier. I felt like 25 people were just staring at me. Like, how did he get this question wrong? Like he's the one in the front row trying to get all this candy for getting Bible questions, right. And the pastor's kid. And He's getting these questions wrong, and uh, I remember. I remember. I don't even like know if it was like in the same timeline or not. But I'm also. I remember talking to my dad about another Bible question, and he was like, "Oh, I just ha- I have to look up stuff all the time too. Like I don't just know everything off the top of my head." And just him even just saying like a comment like that to me was like, "Okay, that takes the pressure off of me feeling like I have to know everything off the top of my head in any given circumstance, whether I'm in school or at a coffee with somebody." Or, well, I don't drink coffee, um, which is one of my biggest sins in life, but um, we're at lunch with somebody and, you know, I don't have to always feel like I know the answer. Um, and I think to me that kind of freed me up so much to not feel like I have to do that. And it gave me a place to not just be Eli, the pastor's kid, um, like Caleb was saying, it allowed me just to be Eli, the kid who liked to play soccer, the kid who watches sports and play guitar and did that kind of thing. And so, um, yeah, I think, I think that's so important um, just kind of for all of us to kind of remember um listening that you don't have to know all the answers um you're not going to be expected to know all the answers because that's going to be impossible and you're going to burn yourself out on that more than even just knowing all the answers it's knowing the lord for yourself and every pk has kind of had a different perspective to this which is why it is the question like the one that we repeat in every single episode just in case someone tunes in for the first time to this one about having a personal relationship, being rooted and grounded in your own faith, not the faith of your parents or the faith of your peers or of your church, but 
for yourself. Eli, you were just talking to me about this yesterday and I, I'm, I'm curious for everybody rooted and grounded in your own relationship. How do you do that? Or maybe even where did that begin? When did you discover that for yourself? I got saved and baptized when I was like six, seven years old. And, um, that's when God really got a hold of my heart at, as a young girl in um, kids ministry. And it took until I went away for college when I was at Highlands college to be in an environment where I wasn't the senior pastor's daughter there. And people didn't know who I was. I, w I was like introducing myself to people and telling them where I'm from. And I was like, Oh my goodness. Like, like, what do I want to tell people? Like, who am I? And do I want to tell them that my dad's a pastor of a church? Like, that's not who I am. That's just like part of my life. But so I, and then, um, and all the chapels and church services and stuff, I really was like, I have to discover who God is for me. Like, it's not about it being my parents relationship with God. I'm not under their, um, I'm not in their church right now. And like, what do I believe? And I just like had to get alone with God and just, after, you know, just working on my relationship with him and just basically like surrendered my life to him all over again. And that's what, that's really what I needed to do. Cause up until then I felt like my faith was somewhat attached to my parents or I was like riding the wave of their salvation. And when I had to discover it for myself, if my parents weren't ever in the picture, I had that moment when I was in college and that was powerful for me. So now, you know, it's just cultivating that relationship with him. I do like for my devotionals, I do the soap method, which is scripture, observation, application, prayer off of like one scripture that I normally get from the devotional Jesus calling, which I really recommend. And I love to worship. I have worship music on all the time in my house, in my car. And, um, and also I'm just learning the habit of silence and solitude. That's one discipline that I am recently just trying to implement into my schedule, into my life and allowing God to speak to me in those silent moments. Yeah, I think one thing I appreciate that my parents did was they just worried about straining us up, kind of how it tells us in Proverbs, train up a child the way they should go when they're old, they won't depart from it. And so that's what, I think our parents did a good job of that. They um, did a good job of showing us, like, they always led by example. And, um, but I think they never pressured us to, you know, to live our faith a certain way. They never like put any pressure on us. They like kind of let us grow into our um, faith and, and our faith-based decisions on our own, like um, uh, praying Jesus into our heart and baptism and stuff like that. They never pressured us, um, which I think is really important, um, but they let us make those decisions on our own. And I think for me, um, it was, I, I think I lived kind of like, I was a really driven, um, I still am like a really driven person. And so I would read my you know, Bible every morning and pray for like 20 minutes from the time I was probably like in third grade to like, I mean, still to this day, I try to do that. But 
for the first, I mean, when I was younger, when I was doing that, it was mainly just because that was what I was supposed to do. It wasn't really like I had like a relationship with God, like I did, but it was more like I was just doing it to check it off the list, you know? I think in, uh, it was in late middle school, early high school that I really started pursuing a relationship with God and what that meant. And I think um, that came based on discovering like a lot about God's love and grace and mercy and that he doesn't want to have a relationship with me um, to do good things or to just do good things for him. But he wants a relationship with me because he loves me. And discovering that was huge for me. Um, that like, I'm not just doing things for God and trying to be a perfect person for God, just to make him happy. But God's already done everything to reconcile our relationship and all the bad things that I've done, he died for and recognize, like when I discovered like really what that meant and that revelation, um, like everything changed for me. And I think when I really began to understand that. Uh, what that meant and all that God had done to me. Um, I really started developing a relationship with God and not just like reading the Bible and praying. Yeah, that's good. That's, I mean, it's all that's so spot on. Uh, John, do you remember maybe in your life even, like, do you remember the moment where it kind of switched for you? Um, just kind of like, cause you grew up in a church where you had to do everything. Like you, how many days in a row were you at church? Like every week you were there like every single night? <laughs> Six. The only day we didn't do something church was Monday. Um, you know, I, I accepted Christ very young, uh, at the age of four. And I'm confident that I was born again. Then I remember it vividly. Um, I remember the message. I remember the, I remember all of it, but growing in that relationship, um, like a five-year-old is not going to be super deep spiritually. <laughs> um, and so I remember hearing all these people in church share their testimony, like God rescued me from drugs and God saved me from prison. And, you know, I was deep in sexual sin and I'm, you know, eight and I don't even know what sex is, but I'm like, it must be bad, you know? And um, so I'm like, I, I told my, I told my grandpa, I'm like, I'm going to get me a testimony. Like I, when I grow up, I'm getting me a testimony. I'm going to go church to church and tell people about all the things God saved me from. Um, so now I, now I got to go do some of those things. And, um, he's like, hold up, hold up. Um, no, you don't, you know, you've got a better testimony. And I'm like, no, I don't. No one wants to hear the, I never really did anything. Um, and now I'm here story. No one wants to hear that. Um, so my motivation for diving into sin was certainly not in search of a testimony. It was a, just a stagnant whatever. And I remember a pivotal moment, December 17th, 2003, it was kind of step one. It was first base. Um, and then when I was 16 or 17, kind of around to second, um, and both had to do with a camp experience. Like if you're a PK, don't skip out on camp. God has something really awesome yeah. for you there. 
Um, don't, don't think that you know everything. This is just a little aside, but God wrecked my life at camp Mm -hmm. and then working at camp, um, you know, going and taking a job there. That was when it finally came home for me. I was sitting at the piano in the chapel and I was doing this Instagram live for the camp and um, get, you know, all the people that are getting excited the night before and watching. And it was like, there's like three or 400 people on this Instagram live. And all of a sudden right there, as I'm saying all this stuff that I know to say that didn't actually mean anything to me, God met me in the chapel, broke my heart. And like, I have a picture on my phone of just the tears that are on the piano keys. And I had to leave the Instagram live because I'm like, the camp director doesn't need to be sobbing on the video when a new kid who's scared to come is logging on. Um, And so I can say it was a progressive thing for me that God made himself known and my relationship really became solid. Um, And so to every PK, this is not going to be an overnight thing. Um, You're not going to become your dad or your mom overnight and praise the Lord. You don't have to become your mom or your dad, (laughs) but um, if you'll Proverbs three, five, and six, the heck out of this, just trust him with the day by day, small things, one thing at a time, let God do his own chiseling work. It, it happened for me slowly, but surely. And I wish it would have been fast. And I wish I had like a whole teenage life of on fire for God. And I don't. But I am thankful that God did what he did slowly and progressively. And looking back, I can see his hand every single step of the way. I do want to hear, uh, now that we just got through some of the serious parts uh, of this, I want to hear some funny stories from you guys. Do you guys have any embarrassing moments from either your time as a pastor's kid or funny stories um, or about your parents or anything like, like please that. throw dad under the bus, like okay, I can throw all, dad under liber- the bus. all liberty to throw dad under the bus. I got one. Um, so one time um, it was like the week after like a summer camp. So one of my friends is up there like sharing her testimony uh, I was gonna like, share right this before story. the offering. <laughs> well, you can fill in the blanks if I miss a step. <laughs> um, so she's um, up there. Um, sharing her testimony about just what God did in her life at the youth camp and everything. And then all of a sudden you you just hear this like water, like kind of coming out of a faucet, it sounds like. And it's getting really loud. It, like it's almost like it, you can't even hear what she's saying anymore. All you hear is just this water. And then it starts dripping and it sounds like someone is peeing. And it's very obvious that that's what's happening now. And so I'm on the front row. I'm just like, I know what's happening. I know it's my dad. He forgot to turn his mic off and he's in the bathroom going, taking a, you know, a break. And (laughs) so the sound guy gets all flustered, doesn't know what to do. Like turns off my friend's mic up there sharing her testimony, turns up my dad's mic. And then at the same time, um, his toilet is broken. So he flushes it and it was like a never ending flush. It like, it just keeps going. And it, it like, there's no, like, it was so hard to recover from it, but somehow like the people on stage didn't know really what was going on. So they were just like, all right, like, let's give it up and 
that sort of thing. And then my dad is coming out to preach and he has no idea what just happened, but everybody in the room knows what just happened. And so, you know, he's like, what's up everybody? Like, great to be here. Let's give it up for our live stream watching online. And everybody starts dying laughing because, um, because it's like, obviously we just heard a live stream and then he's talking about the, <laughs> the, like the live feed and the like, anytime he talked about any kind of water or anything in a sermon, everyone just started laughing and he was so confused. And then my mom finally told him afterwards, but that I was on the front row. I was so embarrassed and I'm now my dad just jokes about it. That's like a gold star. Who was it that we talked to, John, that had like actual like rewards for their dad or something like that, that whenever they had an embarrassing story, they would like sit around and give an award out or something like that? I think it's the other Fry family that we interviewed. Oh, Devin Fry? Yes. I think I think Devin Fry's family, the PKs have different like awards for dumb things that they do. And they added a category for their dad on the board. That's so funny. They spelled my name wrong, though. Yeah, yeah they, they had the they had some extra yeah. letter in there or something. Unnecessary. Shout out to like, that for our family too. Yeah, there are out. two types of pastors in the world: those that have unmuted their microphone in the bathroom, and those that haven't yet. Um, mm. It's coming. It's it's going to happen for everyone. It's like a rite of passage. God mm -hmm. can't bless your church unless you've done that at least one time. Uh, the live stream is awesome that he just like segued right into that and it's like that's like <laughs> that's like holy spirit right there like that's that's from the lord oh man caleb do you have it caleb do you have any stories yeah so an embarrassing moment for me involving my dad as a pk moment is there was a uh, time when i was playing soccer and i was playing goalie and um it was a one-on-one -on -one moment and i went one-on-one -on -one with this guy and we, uh, I tackled him and uh, I got pretty injured. Uh, my wrist, I think I broke my wrist. And my dad immediately jumped over the fence to come to my side on the soccer field. And now the funny thing about this is this became his go-to illustration for like his sermon every few months when he would talk about like, the prodigal son and the father coming to rescue his son, how God is a father coming to rescue us. And so, um, you know, being involved in his sermons every few months because of that story of me being injured on the soccer field, um, I don't know. It was just kind of funny. Yes. I just want to say thank you guys for being on here. You guys are awesome, what you guys are doing. Um, we're gonna, we'll link your social media stuff in the notes below so everyone can go and give them a big old follow. Uh, but again, thank you guys so much for being on here. Caleb, you need to write music, uh, keep writing more songs because I'm just, I love them and you're a rock star. Yeah. So um, uh, we just dropped our album Faithful Still with Real Hope Worship. Um, it has about seven songs that our team wrote. And so you can go check that out and stream it. And uh, see what we're up to at C3 Church in Clayton. Yes. Love it. Love it. Let's go. And then coming next month, we'll be interviewing um, uh, Caroline's dog here for the uh, PK Pets segment <laughs> yeah. of the show. PK Pet. Um, I love that. I, I invited my PK wife's dog to be on the show, but um, he said we couldn't afford him. So um, You can follow but, her on Instagram too. Oh, gosh. She has an Instagram? Oh, yeah. 
Oh, I love it. I have swipe swipe up swipe up in the show notes to uh, to follow Caroline's dog, um, in case that's the content that you need. Um, we're always just bringing you everything that you need to to survive this PK life. Is your dog a well-behaved dog, or does it need salvation as well? Uh, I bring her to church with me. Like she desperately needs Jesus. I'm just waiting for her to accept him and start living a life for him. But she's wild. <laughs> <laughs> I, that's amazing. I, I feel the same about my cats right now that I have now. I, I have cats now. I'm a cat dad. So that's where yeah. I am in life. We got two cats. Oh. That's right. Okay. The cat life is, is the life. But John, that, do you have no. any animals? That is a perk about being the pastor's kid is you can bring your dog to church and just leave him in the office. No one cares. There We've are done that. Perks. We've done that before. Oh, I want to hear what are some great PK perks that you guys have experienced um, over the years? What's like some of the best ones? I think my favorite is our parents' relationship when they would travel. To not just travel alone, but to bring one of us on. Yep. And uh, so and so my dad would go to Louisiana to speak at a church. And so I'd get to go to some LSU games. And... Um, but that was like the highlight of my PK traveling was going to three LSU games. That uh, is a, awesome. Yep. That's, one, that ministers to me. I love that. One time. Um, so like there's different celebrities that are pastors, kids undercover. And one of those is Katy Perry and her parents came and spoke at my dad's church for like a first Wednesday service. And she had a concert the night before that so they got there like the day before um took us in a limo brought us in backstage we got to sit with her parents during the concert hang out with her afterwards like that was kind of crazy because you hear a lot of stuff like in the church world like you know you get to meet like different pastors that are popular but meeting Katy perry was pretty cool yeah, that's a that's a pretty good one right there. We're trying to get her on the show, and she won't respond yeah. to any of our texts right now. So, oh, well, I, I could call her for you, you know. Yeah, if you could put in like a best good friends mes- now. If you could put in a good message for us with old Katie, that would be uh, yeah. that'd be amazing. I'll I think. Uh, yeah, give her John's number. Um, yeah. He does all the connections. <laughs> yeah, next year we're just doing all celebrity episodes. Mm. We've got Katy Perry. We've got the Jonas Brothers. Good. Um, some we've got. There's a few. P- PK rock stars out there. Um, Andy oh, Stanley, uh, Morgan Wallen, um, the pastor's kid. Country oh, is he? Singer Morgan Wallen. Yeah. yeah. He's, when he's, I heard his song cool. Whiskey Glasses, I was like, I relate to this on a PK level. Like, this makes sense. These it are communion glasses. <laughs> yeah, These are... communion glasses. <laughs> oh, come on. Well, thank you guys for being with us today. We really appreciate you and. Like we said, swipe up in the show notes of this episode to follow Caleb and Caroline Fry on all the social medias and Caroline's dog. You don't want to miss out on that content. <laughs> and we'll see you again right back here at the PK Podcast. Hey, thanks as always for listening to the PK Podcast. And we want to remind you that we are proudly a part of the Recovering Fundamentalist Podcast Network. And you can find us on Instagram at Those Preachers Kids, on Twitter at That PK Podcast. We're on Facebook, we're on YouTube, and wherever you listen to podcasts. So if you need to hit somebody up to vent, to cuss, to laugh, or to cry, you can find us anywhere that you look. 
We love you. You're our family. Don't forget to rate the podcast and leave a review. That helps us oh so much.